that song is a sermon within itself. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn once again to the fifth chapter of the book of Romans. The fifth chapter of the book of Romans. And I want to call to your attention beginning with verse number 12 and reading down through the last verse of that chapter, which is verse number 21. Now, I hope you'll turn to it, and I hope you'll notice one particular thing in this reading that I'm going to do for you, beginning with verse 12 through 21. Notice the emphasis on the word one, O-N-E, especially in its extended form, One man, by one man, by one man. One of those men was Adam in the Garden of Eden. The other man is the Lord Jesus Christ who came from heaven. Now notice the reading of it. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin... And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them, that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not not as it was by one that sinned, but so is the gift." For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous." Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. The subject of Romans 5 is what? Justification. Justification. And remember that justification is a judicial act by God Almighty that pronounces a sinner 
clean. That pronounces a sinner righteous. I spoke two weeks ago on Sunday morning on the benefits of justification using verses 1 through 5. Paul enumerates some things that we have a result of our justification. He says, we have. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have. What do we have? Six things are mentioned there. And I'm repeating it in the event that there may be some present today who were not with us two weeks ago. And that's one of the things you labor with when you preach a series of sermons. Once in a while, you can get most Baptists to come to church once in a while. But you can't get them all to come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. The benefits of justification. Verse number one talks about peace with God. That's a benefit. And notice their present benefits. Not we're going to have these things. We have them when we're justified. Second thing in verse 2 is access into grace. The third thing that is mentioned is a standing in grace in verse number 2. And also in verse number 2, we have a joyful hope. In verse number 5, we have the love of God in our hearts. And also in verse 5, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Last Sunday, I spoke to you on the security of justification. How do we know it will last? How do we know that it won't go for a little while and maybe when we slip up and make a mistake, God just wipes it all out? The security of justification in verses 6 through 11. In spite of our being without strength, ungodly, sinners, and enemies of God, we find spiritual security in our justification. Why is that and how is that so? In verse number 8, we have a love that will never be retracted. Remember that. God will never take back what he's given to you. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. His love for us will never be Retracted, and the love you have for the Lord Jesus will never be retracted. You see, ours is a result of His love. He loved us first. And since He'll never withdraw that love, we'll always love Him back. Second of all, we've been forever removed from the wrath of God in verse number 9. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. But you're glad you never have to face the wrath of God. Never have to face the wrath of God if you've been justified. Thirdly, our salvation will last just as long as Christ lives. Now if he dies the second time, there goes our justification. But our salvation will last as long as Christ in verse number 10. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. As long as He lives, you live. And number four, our sin debt has been canceled out. Verse number 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received 
the atonement. We have received the reconciliation brought about in the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross. That should give us quite a bit of security in our justification. Once paid, it cannot be unpaid. And Christ died for his people. I want to call to your remembrance something by way of a personal experience that happened to me many years ago. I shared this with you, and it's been probably several years ago when I did that. But I want to share it with you once again because it illustrates what I'm speaking about. I approached a business office at Mother Francis Hospital on one occasion to say, to settle my account, to pay what I owed. And I was told by the young lady at the desk, she said, you can't do that. I said, I, I, I came in to pay my bill. She said, you can't do that. Then I began to question her. I said, have, wasn't I a patient here? She said, yes, you were. I said, well, when I was here, did I receive any medical attention? <laughs> she said, you sure did. I said, well, did the services cost anything? She said, they certainly did. I said, were the charges posted? She said, yes, the charges were posted. I said, well, why can't I pay my bill? And she said, because somebody paid it for you. Somebody paid it for you, and you don't owe it any more. We're talking about justification. God pronouncing a sinner righteous as the judge of humanity. This final division of Romans 5, which I've read for you, deals with the foundation of justification. That's very important. Upon what is our justification built? If it's something just religious, Costume? Is it some uh, particular thing that we know someone else did? Not Christ, but someone, we have a friend. No, what is it built on? What is it built? Foundation of a house is very important. Did not the Lord talk about this in Matthew chapter number 7? If you build a house on sand, it'll fall when the storms come. If you build a house on the rock, it will continue to stand. The foundation is very important. The foundation of the church is very important. And Christ even spoke of it when he said to Simon Peter and the apostles, Upon this rock I will build my church. He wasn't talking about the pea gravel of Simon Peter. He was talking about the massive rock. The rock of himself, I'm going to build this church on myself. Foundations are extremely important. And so what is our justification built on? How does it work? The answer is imputation. Imputation. And imputation means to charge to one's account. 
to charge to one's account. You go to a department store, you buy something you like, and instead of using cash, you have a credit card. You charge it to that card, and the card charges it to the responding bank. It's got to be paid, but it's placing that charge on an account. Imputation. Think with me, it involves three things. Adam's sin was placed on our account, thus constituting us sinners. I want to say that again. Because there's a common conception and it is so wrong that people are sinners because they do things wrong. Before you ever did anything wrong, you were a sinner. You see, the sin of Adam was placed on our account, thus constituting us. And we're sinners by birth. We're born sinners. Second of all, our sins were placed upon Christ, thus constituting Him as our sacrifice. He died for our sins. He did not die for His sins. He did not die to dismiss the charges on His account. He died to dismiss the charges on our account by dying for us. And thirdly, Christ's righteousness was placed upon believing sinners, thus constituting their salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is what is presented in verses 12 through 21 under the doctrine of original sin. All sin has its origin in Adam. Now you might want to turn to this quickly. 1 Corinthians 15. All sin has its origin in Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse number 45. The Bible says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, referring to Christ, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as the heavenly, such are they the also that are heavenly. And we, as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Would you be too disappointed in me if I told you that you do not bear the image of God today in your natural birth. So I just believe all men are created in the image of Where did you get that from? Go with me quickly to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man and Adam was that man 
How did he create him? God created Adam in the likeness of God made he him. Adam was made in the likeness of God. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. We do not look like God today. We do not work like God today. We don't give the world a picture of God today. We give the picture of our daddy Adam in the Garden of Eden. It is his image that we bear until we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. And ultimately one day he'll be made, he will make us in his divine image. This is what's presented here. The entire human race can be reduced down to two men and only two men. Adam in the Garden of Eden and what happened with him and Adam the second, the Lord Jesus Christ and what happened to him. The first Adam referring to the first created human in the Garden of Eden and the last Adam referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the introduction. Now, let's get into the message itself. Let's do a quick study on the first Adam. Because there are only two. Adam number one, Adam number two. Adam in the Garden of Eden is the first Adam. Adam number two is the Lord Jesus Christ manifested in the preaching of the Gospels. In this passage that we read for you in the book of Romans chapter number 5, beginning with verse number 12, sin came into the world by man, not by woman. You say, well, there was a woman there. Yes, she was. Well, did she do wrong? She sure did. Did she sin? She sure did. But sin came into the world through not the woman. It came into the world through one man, Adam. Though Eve was the first to sin, it was not her sin that God imputed to the human race. It was Adam's sin that God imputed to the human race. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 13 through 14, For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Was she in the transgression? She sure was, but she was by virtue of the fact that she was deceived. Adam was not deceived. He walked into it with his eyes wide open. God personally told Adam, this is what's going to happen to you if you do this. He didn't tell Eve that. The devil brought it up to Eve. So sin came into the world by man, not by woman. Second of all, sin came into the world by one man. By one man. Not by many men, but by one man, and that man was Adam. It was the fall of one man that did the damage, not the fall of a country, not the fall of a nation. 
What does verse 12, chapter 5 say in our text? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, and the explanation there is all have sinned in Adam. Adam's transgression in the garden. I call it a wreck. Garden was a beautiful place. And all of a sudden it's not going to be so beautiful because Adam has a wreck in the garden. And might I say unto you that the wreck he had was not a fender bender. It was a total collision. Adam died. And not only did he die, but the entire human race that would follow would have the death penalty hanging over their head. That's what Adam did for you. And that's what Adam did for me. Sin came into the world by one man. Sin came into the world by one single act of disobedience. He was not a progressive, habitual sinner. He just made one mistake. Just one. You know, we have a dumb bunch of people today that have this idea. Well, you know, what I did is not really wrong. What are you talking about not wrong? It's sin. And if you're alive today, it's only because of the goodness and mercy of God Almighty. Just one Just one little mistake, just one little choice, one little decision. It was an offense, a single offense. Notice verse number 15 says this. Not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Notice that word offense is used in verse 17. For if by one man's offense, singular, death reigned by one. Look at verse number 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. What was the nature of Adam's one sin? What was the nature of it? It was basically the same as Lucifer's problem. When you study the book of Ezekiel chapter 28, there was a time before Satan ever manifested himself as Satan, a fallen angel. He was an angel of God in heaven called Lucifer, maybe one of the archangels up there. But Ezekiel 28, 15, God said to the Lucifer up in heaven, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created until iniquity, not iniquities, not plural, until iniquity was found in thee. Now what was that iniquity that was found in Lucifer that caused God to kick him out of heaven? Well, you have to go to Isaiah chapter 14. And please turn to that if you would. We'll be back in a moment to where we are studying in our text. But in Isaiah chapter number 14. Look at verse number 12 
Isaiah 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? What in the world made the difference in Lucifer being the archangel of God? Now he's cast out onto this earth. And the answer is given in verse 13. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. (laughs) He said it five times. One, two, three, four, five. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High God. There's one thing that Lucifer did not have. He had anything any angel could possibly have in serving the Lord in eternity past. And yet there was one thing he didn't have. He didn't have sovereignty. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. There was only one that had that sovereignty, and it was God Almighty. And the devil said, I'm going to be above you. And my will is going to be more powerful than your will. And this is what, God, I'm going to do. I will, I will, I will. And God kicked him out for that iniquity. It was an assault on the sovereignty of God. Adam, in the garden, was innocent from creation until iniquity was found in him. What was his one act? It too was an assault on the sovereignty of God. As Lucifer had everything but God's throne, he wanted that too. And Adam had everything in the garden except the sovereign command of God, and he wanted that too. God said, you can't eat of this particular fruit. And Adam didn't like that. And his wife didn't like that. So that was his offense. Not just merely eating something he shouldn't eat, but defying God Almighty's sovereign will. Hmm? Now you, you don't have a problem with that, do you? I have a little problem with it from time to time. I kind of want sometimes to elbow God out of the picture. And I want to do it my way. (laughs) Preached a funeral of a man. Lived in Tyler. The man lived in Tyler. His wife said, Brother Kozo, will you preach his funeral? I said, be glad to. I knew the man very closely. Said he's going to be over in New, pardon me, Merkel. Merkel, Texas, out of West Texas. Traveled out there. Found the funeral home, went in, talked with the widow, and I started preaching. And when I got through preaching, she had formulated a program for the funeral. And one of the things she wanted after I got through preaching was some music. And she had a, she had a, it was a tape back then, 
Not a CD, okay. It was a tape back then. And she played it. And it was Elvis Presley singing, I did it my way. That's what's wrong with me today. And that's what's wrong with you today. We do it our way. And to do that, my dear friends, we have to defy the sovereignty of God Almighty who said, Thou shalt not. Well, I'll just do it anyway. Enjoy. Enjoy. But it won't be long. If you follow that type of reasoning, you don't know what enjoyment was and what torment will be. Now the consequence of this Adam one man, okay? One man did this. The consequence of the fall, number one, was universal guilt. Universal guilt. He ran from God. The Lord came into the garden. Adam, where are you? He said, I hid myself. I wanted to get away from God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 verse 19, all human beings are guilty. That's the word that is used in that passage. He hid himself from God. Not only that, second of all, universal death. We all die. Given time, we all die unless the Lord stops the death process with the second coming of Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 5, that's the obituary column of the Bible. Sometimes if you don't have anything else to read, read Genesis chapter 5. You'll find this word so many times. It calls the name of the man and it says, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. And then whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, I don't believe Paul did it, but we won't get into that, said, is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. And the third thing is universal sin by imputation. And that's the substance of what we're dealing with in this fifth chapter of the book of Romans. Imputation. Look at verse number 12 again, Romans 5. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed on all men, for that all have sinned, that is, all have sinned in Adam. Adam's transgression was passed on to the human race, and this is why people have to die today. You say, well, what about little precious babies? Babies die also. Do they not? Have you ever wondered why? Do little babies have to die? Because we're born in sin. It was passed on to our account. To conserve time, I'm going to delete one section here and say, let's look at the study of the last Adam. So much of what the one man referring to Adam, number one, did and what happened to him, what happened and how does the last Adam figure into this. Notice in verse number 15, even as sin came into the world by man and not woman. Better read that again. 
But not as the offense, so also is a free gift. For if though the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, the gift of God, or grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. Sin came into the world by man, not by woman. Likewise, righteousness came into the world by one man and not woman. Righteousness is not to be found in Mary Baker Eddy. Righteousness is not to be found in the virgin birth of Mary. That is, Mary being the channel of the blessing. Righteousness is to be found in one man, only one man, and his name is Jesus Christ. One man. In verse number 16, even as judgment came into this world by the first Adam, likewise justification came by the last Adam, Jesus Christ. For verse 16 says, Not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. And then even as death came into the world by the first Adam, likewise life came by Jesus Christ. Quickly, even as condemnation came into the world by the first Adam, likewise salvation came by the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, if you don't have this mark, I would suggest you do it, church. Therefore, as by the offense of one... Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. Even as many were made sinners by one single act of disobedience by Adam in the garden, many were made righteous by one single act of Jesus Christ. Now, you need to look at verse 19. So important. For as by one man's disobedient, pardon me, that's not reading it correctly. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. What was the one single act of obedience through which many were made righteous? One single act. What was that act? The answer is in Philippians 2 verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Please pay attention to this. It was not his obedience That is, it was not the obedience of Jesus Christ to the law. And he kept the law perfectly. We know that. But it was not his obedience to the law that saved us, but rather his obedience unto death. You see, in Isaiah chapter number 53, we love to quote from Isaiah 53 verse 6 that says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Never read that verse without reading the verse that follows it. Verse 7 says, He was oppressed. He was afflicted. 
He opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. You see in verse number 6 of Isaiah 53, that's imputation. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He took our sins and put them on his son, Jesus Christ. That's imputation. The charge was passed on to him. It was taken from us. But you see in verse number 7, that's not enough. The lamb must die. The lamb must die. The debt must be paid. And when that debt is paid, God must be satisfied. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 11, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. How's he going to do that? By bearing their iniquities. Ah, my dear friends. We have heard the gospel so many times. And I I think maybe sometimes we've heard it so much that we just kind of memorize parts of it. And maybe give certain days during the year when we emphasize certain parts of the ministry and life of Christ. Whether it's his resurrection, whether it's his birth, whatever it might be. But... Can you begin to understand it's too big for me. I get swallowed up in it. How that Jesus Christ took my sins and they were placed on him. In order for them to be placed on him, they had to be taken from me. Do you understand that? They'll never be placed on him as long as I bear them. As long as they're my sins, they cannot be placed on him. But God took my sins and placed them on his son. And whatever rotten failure I have ever been in my life, Jesus Christ hung on the cross of Calvary to die for my sins. And you know what? He was satisfied that the debt was paid. You and I may sometimes, when we do wrong, have a guilty conscience, and Lord knows we ought to have a guilty conscience, maybe if the deeds that we do are wrong. But dear friend, you'll never have to stand before God because of the penalty of your sin. Never. Never. Because Christ took that penalty and paid it in full and God the Father was satisfied with it. So satisfied he could look on us and justify a ungodly sinner judicially, legally, is now righteous. Righteous. That's the reason I don't like songs like uh, or sayings like, uh, well, you know, all of us just sinners. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Honey, let me straighten your theology out. If you're just an old sinner, you haven't been saved by grace. You have not been saved by grace. You know what happens when you become a Christian? You become not a sinner that's improved. You become a saint. 
Read your Bible, Christian. You read the epistles that Paul wrote. He addressed the saints in the church. And he wasn't talking about the Catholic hierarchy when he did that. I'm a saint today. I'm not a sinner today. I was a sinner. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint by the grace of God. And so are you. Well, sometimes do we slip up and fall? Yes, we do. But we don't make a lifetime habit of it. That's not the direction of our life. Ah, oh, my dear friends, you've been so kind to listen to this. Justification. Justif- we want to maybe go into some other time something that's not as heavy as this. You know, something, something like sanctification. How about that one? And predestination. Let's get a hold of that one Sunday. See how that one goes. Uh, your God is far bigger than you'll ever begin to imagine. And one day we're going to see Him in His glory because we've been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we have peace with God. Let's stand please for prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for the wonderful, wonderful plan of salvation From beginning to end, it's all of you and what you did in planning it, in executing it, and bringing it to pass. And Heavenly Father, today we have nothing to brag about save the grace of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for loving us, for drawing us, for quickening us, for regenerating us, for converting us, and bringing us, oh God, to a place we never could have come on our own. And we're thankful today for grace, marvelous, wonderful grace, and the justification we have in Christ. We praise Thee for it in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.